what I found very unique was uh, just <laughs> subtly there, I can say something small and how it impacts individuals to think differently. Um, this morning, I've titled my message, Thinking Small. And it's, uh, it's been quite unique for me this week as I've uh, wrestled through uh, a passage of Scripture that I think brings a lot of light towards small things. And, uh, and for me, I don't know about you, thanks, but uh, sometimes I get distracted by the smallest thing. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, uh, but uh, we're not perfect as a church. We, we try and, and put together something that would... Uh, allow for you to enter in in the presence of God. And during during worship, there was this one moment when I was looking at the words, and there's this little tiny mouse that was hovering all over the screen. It's the smallest thing, smallest thing, but it distracted me, and it caught my attention. It's not a big deal. I don't claim that we have perfection or that we're perfect here. We're always striving to see God's, bring God's glory through whatever we bring. And we know that what we bring, although small, God multiplies. And... Uh, this, the passage of scripture that I'm going to be reading today is going to be out of 1 Samuel. I'm going to be talking about King David. If you, if you guys actually still bring Bibles to church or if you uh, use your phones or whatever, um, then, then we're going to do that. But why don't we pray and then we're going to jump in on the word of God. Father, we thank you. We thank you that though we are small, that you are big and that you decided to place us at the center of this universe massive universe that you created. Father, I pray that as, as I share what I believe you have shared with me and spoken to my life, that, that it would multiply just like a tiny seed in the lives of those that hear it today. Would the, the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, God? Amen. Well, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 16. And uh, I just want to read the scripture this morning. I'm going to read a story, then I'm going to share a little bit. But uh, this scripture is pretty much a story, and it's 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13. And uh, I'm just going to start reading. It says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. Isn't it unique that sometimes God calls us to do things and then he shows us what we need to do when we're in that place. It says, you are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance for his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. 
People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord... Uh, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and he had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint this one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. The reason I read this story is because a lot of times we look at this story and there's a lot of pieces that we would read as small, but are extremely significant. And uh, I don't know uh, how many of you in here uh, grew up in a small town. Uh, but I grew up in a small town, and uh, what you call small is often based on what you've seen before. So when I went to my hometown uh, a couple years back, I took my family. I wanted to show them everything, and uh, I happened to be driving through this town, and I showed them my high school, happened to have my coach there, got to talk with him. It was, like, super cool. And then I was like, oh, we got to go see this lady. She's kind of the prayer warrior of, of my church. I really felt like my mom was like, you got to go see her if you're there. And so we went, and I was giving directions to my house. And uh, we got to the stop sign, and I said, okay, take a right. And we turned, and we're driving down this road. And I said, okay, there's going to be this big hill. When you see the big hill, you're going to take a right. And I'm sitting there, and we're driving, and one block passes, and two blocks passes, and three blocks passes. And then there, there's just this little tiny incline. And it's so tiny. And internally, I'm going, that's not the big hill. That can't be it. No, no, it's way bigger than this. And I keep getting closer. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, okay, I know there's the brown house on the corner. But, but I told her it's this big hill. And I get, I was like, whoa, 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 this is the corner. And my wife kindly goes, that's the big hill. <laughs> and I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the big hill. What I thought was big was actually way smaller because out of my experience in life, I had now experienced mountains and I experienced things that were way larger than this small hill in a small town in Alberta. And so what I called big, like I used to like tell people, man, I flew down this hill on rollerblades and it was so big and I had so much speed that I had to grab the stop sign and swing out and I fell. And like this is a real story that happened. And I thought it was a big hill. And I arrived at it, and I was like, oh, my goodness. This is so small. When I graduated, I graduated in the biggest grad class in history, 34 people. <laughs> I thought that was big. Why? Because someone told me it was big. So I was like, yeah, this is the biggest grad class we've ever heard heard of and then I went and I was a youth pastor in Edmonton and when I was a youth pastor in Edmonton the grad class at the high school that I went to was 630 some people and I'm like oh, oh yeah okay my grad class is not big and so what I thought was big was really small 
And in the passage that I read, there are some parts that prove this reality. Is there something I'm missing? Now you don't get my, my spit. Is that better? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I sound like a different person. Something so small. Anyways. Uh, but the passage that I read just is kind of, there are some parts that prove this reality of what, what is small to us is big to God. And then there's the flip side. What we call big is really small to God. And uh, when you consider the challenges of your life, the gifts God put inside of you and the resources available in this season, what's your frame of reference? What do you really see within you? What do you call small? And uh, in this story, we see a transition of a shepherd becoming a king. And, and David is this shepherd boy out in a field who is now being anointed by a guy named Samuel. And uh, I find it unique because when it starts, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn? And then he says, Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. Bethlehem of all places. Well, when Samuel heard this, because he was now to anoint a new king, he would have been looking at this going like, Bethlehem? But what I found really cool this week as I read is in Micah 5, 2, it says this, But Bethlehem, Ephrathath, you trying to say that word, it's not up there. Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who is ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old. Though you are small, Bethlehem, immediately. I love that, what God, that God brings things that he sees as great from things that we see as small. And immediately Samuel is being reminded of this thing. The whole passage that the best things come out of small places. And as I read this today, I don't want you to get stuck on what, where it happened or what happened, but who it happened through, Samuel. Samuel is a, a unique kid. He was a kid that was dedicated at a, because his mom said, if you give me a child, Lord, the small prayer that she had, that she saw as a big thing in her life to have a kid, she said, if you just give me a child, I'll dedicate him to the Lord. And she has Samuel. And Samuel is brought into the temple. And so Samuel is this young boy who hears from the Lord. And he has a moment where God speaks to him and calls him by name. And he goes to Eli and he's like, Eli, did you, did you call me? Did you, were you, did you need me? And, and Eli is like, no. Go back to bed. Like, how many times as a parent do I do that? I know it's insignificant, maybe small detail in, in today's message, but how many times does my daughter come into my room and wake me up, and it's like, go back to bed. Like, but how do I not know that maybe God is waking her up, and maybe the words that I should be teaching her is, hey, next time you wake up, ask God what he's saying to you, and then tell me at breakfast in the morning. Maybe it's something so small but Samuel had a gift, and although it was small, it was used in a big way. He was now the prophet for the nations, and he was the one that was to speak to the kings. 
And this change that is happening in Samuel is a, it's not a small thing. When he's mourning over Saul, well, the relationship with Saul was unique because Saul was this guy that, although God did not want Israel to have a king, he wanted to be their king. People had asked them to anoint a king. And so they chose Saul, this big, tall guy, tall Saul, to be the guy in charge of a nation because they wanted to be like everyone else. This is really the reality. And so there's this change inside of Samuel because God wanted there to be a king. And people wanted to implement a king, as I said, and they chose someone who could protect them, Saul. What we don't see when we reach for the wrong thing, we don't realize how much it'll cost us because we only see how it comforts us. It's just a small thing that I seek the attention and approval of my classmates in high school, just a small thing, but we don't see the cost of that in how we live out our life. It's just a small thing that I just say yes to everything that my boss tells me to do, just a small thing, but we don't see the consequence of how it's weighing on us internally or on our family. It's just a small thing. And so we know this, that, that Saul himself even, even saw himself as small. And we see this in verse 17 of chapter 15 right before, because Samuel is talking to Saul still. This is before God has removed his anointing from Saul. And in 15 verse 17, it says this, Samuel says to Saul, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribe of Israel? The Lord anointed you as king over Israel. Now, God had promoted Saul, and sometimes we can't even comprehend in our mind when God places us in a position and he's anointed us because although I see myself as insignificant in a moment, God's placed you in leadership roles or in spaces or in leadership over your family, and he's anointed you, believe it or not, to do the things that he's called to you, and he's put everything inside of you. And so God had placed everything inside of Saul to lead a nation to direct them and to be blessed. But Saul, being worried and insecure, led his life by his senses rather than than by the Spirit. Or he, he led his life by what he saw rather than what he was hearing from God. Or he led his life, again, by his senses and not by the Spirit. And so Samuel tells, is told by God, I, I don't want Saul. I'm done with Saul. And he goes and he starts this conversation where he, he talks to me. He says, why are you still mourning? Why are you still mourning for Saul in verse 1? Since I have rejected him. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Beth, Jesse of Bethlehem. So God tells him to go to a small place, Bethlehem. But he also tells him to do a small thing. Fill your horn with oil. Because that's what the prophets would use to signify a change in anointing. Just a small thing of oil to a small town. But when Samuel is told to go to Bethlehem, this is what I love. And it's just a small thing. He left out a small detail. 
He didn't tell him who he was going to anoint as king. He, he told him that he was to go to Bethlehem. He told him that he was to, to go to Jesse. But Jesse had eight kids. Eight kids. That's a lot of sons. That's a lot of kids. I don't think I will ever, ever want eight kids. Danielle feels blessed in this moment because she's like, great. <laughs> but that's a lot of kids. But it would have been tough for Samuel because he would have invested so much in Saul. And I know that the people wouldn't have seen the burden that Samuel was carrying because it was, it was really important what he had to do. It was everything that he was called to do in life. He had been raised as a prophet. God spoke to him. God spoke to kings. And then when he calls him to do this, this was not a small action to go, go and anoint a new king. This is the person that would lead the nation. And sometimes people don't know the burden that you're carrying. The thing that you feel that real, is really important. And I felt like it was really important to talk about this. Because there are things that are happening underneath the surface in you that are no small thing. And I know that social media has made it easy for us to express our pain. But when we express what's really going on under the surface, I find that there's two things that sometimes happens. We either dramatize it or we, we downplay it. We dramatize it going like, oh my goodness, that's the biggest thing, or we downplay it. That's no big deal. I talked with an individual this week I sat for coffee with, and uh, they were going for their fifth surgery on the same thing. Fifth surgery, same thing. And I was just like, I had surgery once, and the moment that I said that, I felt like I was automatically downplaying that it's not a big deal for him. And so I said, whoa, 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 I got to stop. I, I got I to backtrack. I don't want to diminish what is so big for you in this moment. Because that's big for him. Everyone has a big thing. And though sometimes some people see it as small, your big is your big. And, uh, and so I, I said to him, I said, I don't want to play this small. This is not fun. I'm sorry that you're having to go through this. And I had to meet with him in a real moment because the reality is what God calls great, we often call small. And what you think is small is relative to what you've seen. And sometimes this is true with pain. Sometimes the pain in our life, um, we, can, we can dismiss or downplay someone. It's like, I went through that, that and I didn't react like that. I didn't, I didn't get angry at that person when, when someone did something like that to me. Why should you? And we downplay and we play small. But when we play small, and when, sorry, what you call small, other people do not. And your pain is real. So in the passage, what other call small, Samuel is experiencing is huge. And maybe it's what others are experiencing this year, like, What's happening in this world, some people downplay and say it's no big deal. I think this is a big deal. I think, and I'm worried about things like 
what's actually going to impact people about not actually being able to touch others? I know it's small, maybe, but I, I'm just curious. And sometimes I downplay these things because I want to feel safe. And when I downplay it, then, then it's small. Like if I do something or, and I critique it because I don't want you to get the punch on me. I don't want you to make fun of what I made. Or, or like, I'm not good. I'm not a craftsman. I'm an expert builder. So I will point out the details in some of the things that I do first so you don't get to. So that I can say it's already small. When the reality is that when I insult the things that God's created with me, within me to do, I insult the creator who created me to do these things. And you insult the manufacturer. And so the brothers are brought before Samuel. And Samuel sees the first brother, Eliab, the oldest. And he says this, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before me. Man, this guy is tall. This guy is handsome. He is strong. This has got to be the guy. This tall guy, remember, reminded him of the Saul guy. And he's like, I've done this before. I've anointed Saul. This guy's like Saul. This has got to be the guy. Nope. The Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. The tall guy. Remind him of the Saul guy. But God said, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. He says this, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Do you know that your heart, in terms of your body, is a very small percentage of what makes up you physically that you can see, but yet it is one of the most powerful organs that function and help you to live? And what we call small, God calls big, and your heart is important. And so he brings all the brothers, and, and, and we read that he brings all these funky named sons, which I would never use, but yet they're still really cool. Um, Shema, and then he brings all other seven. Remember, he had eight. And Samuel asked the question, are these all the sons you have? And uh, Jesse responds with this, there is still the youngest. You know what I, I learned about the word the youngest in Hebrew? You know what it means? I'm sure you could guess. Small. They're still the smallest. He's tending the sheep. Yeah, I heard you. I heard you. Small fry. Love it. But big, big spirit in you. That's right. And so David, David is brought and they, they wait for him and then they anoint him with this oil. What God calls great, we sometimes see as small. I mean, James makes this argument that the tongue is, is to your life what the rudder is to the ship or what a spark is that can cause a large fire. And he uses the word small continuously. I mean, you want to look at and get into to words in, in the Bible. I loved it. It was fun. How many times small is used? Do not despise the times of small beginnings when you start a company. When, when it's just a small thing that you do. But fast forward to the New Testament because David had a big role. And uh, I don't want to 
bore you with, with all these, I mean, you could probably go back through the message and in my head I'm going like, they're going to count how many times I say the word small. <laughs> For me, is, is a noticeable thing. But we have this story with Jesus. And uh, Jesus is feeding a big crowd. A big crowd. It's huge. It's 5,000 people. That's, that's a lot of people. That's my whole hometown, my whole small town growing up, 5,000 people. My whole town fed in one moment. And this is what's unique about it. When they're doing this, it says this in John 6, verse 8. It says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? I love that God in his perspective goes, oh, you got, you got, you got two small, small fish? Now we're in business. Oh, you got, you got a mustard seed faith? Now we're talking. Oh, you have a little, little strength? Oh, you have a, a small army, Gideon? Now we can do something. What I love is that God sees the small things that we have because God places the small things in our lives. Oh, you've got a small prayer? I feel like God is challenging. If you've got a detail of your life that you think that he doesn't care about, God cares about the small things. And when we go back to David and we look at the small things, we look at what happens from David. David's anointed as king, and then the next chapter, we see David fighting Goliath, a big, big man. And I love, and this is a story that every person that has, has been around the church knows because David goes out to the battlefield, and uh, they had been out there for 40 days, standing in front of this big, big man. And sometimes... The longer you, you look at a giant, the smaller you feel. I don't know in your life if there's th things that you're facing that the longer you look at, you go like, am I really going to be able to overcome this? Yes. Through God's great strength, you can. And so David sees it as, as a, this is a small issue for God. And he walks out to the field and he grabs five smooth stones and he decides to go into battle. And he strikes, strikes a giant in the head and knocks it down. Small stone, big giant, destroyed. And uh, I don't know if I got you this, this verse, Harley, but Psalm 18, Psalm 18, verse 2, is a verse, and I know that the, the Bible talks a lot about God is our rock. And I had a question that I wanted to end this morning with is, how many of you need a rock to knock down a giant this morning? What, what are you calling big that God calls small? Because in Psalm 18, verse 2, it says this, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and and this, the horn of my salvation, the anointing 
the horn that he has poured out over your life is Jesus' blood. Because Jesus died for us. He poured out his life as an offering. But not only that, Psalm 18 says it's a horn of salvation. It's an anointing to walk in the blessing that is Jesus' death and resurrection. Because although Jesus died and he was buried and there was a big rock placed in front of a small tomb, nothing is too big for God. And what God sees as small, we see as big. Even death, even death was nothing for God. And uh, this morning, I want to end with just this truth. That there are small things that you are doing. You think that coming to church and hearing the word of God and worshiping God is, is, a, is just a, a small thing? No, this, this is a big thing to God. To be in God's presence. Just taking an hour to let the word of God into your heart. To become the rudder that steers your ship. To be something that steers you to understand that I can go towards anything, any storm, any giant, and I can face it. Because what God sees as small, sorry, what God sees as big, we see as small. My faith, my integrity, my, my heart to love, to be slow to anger. That although we see those as small things and, and frustratingly small that I have to do them, God sees them as great. And so I want to invite you to stand and I want to pray for you this morning. I don't, I don't want to take long, um, but uh, can I have the worship team come back and sing the song Miracles? It's a song that we sang this, this morning and it, I know that it was weird for me, but I was, I was sitting and we're singing, you're the God of miracles and I'm looking around and I was like, I was like in praise and I was like, yeah, God, you are the God of miracles. And also God's like, I just need you to open your eyes. And I'm like pumped by this song and I'm loving it and I'm in on it because the, he's the God of miracles. And uh, it was just this weird moment where I look around and we were all just almost just watching. Just watching. And I believe that there's something small inside of you that sometimes when we do a small act of just raising our hands and saying, I believe in you, that when the worship team worships, this is what I learned in my own life is that as they leave, that if they call me to lift my hands and worship, sometimes I'm so frustrated. I'm like, no, they're telling me to do something I don't want to do. Like I'm just here. Like there's a piece of me that, that's really small that God's trying to work out of me because my obedience to him comes first and I get that. But when God is leading a worship leader to direct us into God's presence, when I follow them, this is what I was taught, is that if I'm gonna follow them and they say, why don't you just raise your hands with me? Why don't we just give a praise to God in this moment? When we do that, it's a small act of obedience, but it ignites God's presence inside of us. I talked with my my leaders on Friday about a straw in a drink and how something so small in a straw can stop you from really getting the value of the drink. 
and how sometimes there's things in our hearts that stop us. And for me, this is me really confessing. This is confession time with Jordan. That sometimes my walk of obedience, that when God says to stop doing something and to start doing something or to start doing something, that I wrestle with that. But I'd love to get to a point in my life where I trust God's voice like Samuel did. Because just his small act of obedience brought an anointing on someone else's life. A small act of obedience brought an anointing, not only in his life, but on someone else's life. And so as we sing this song and when we get to that chorus, I wanna encourage you, raise your hands. Like this is like, yeah, I believe in that, me, pick me. You know, in the class when the teacher asks a question, he's like, hey, which one of you knows? Yeah, pick me, I know. I believe in you, I, me. I believe in you. And I promise you a small act of obedience can create a snowball of faith in your life. And so as we sing this song, I wanna encourage you to think about those things. What are the giants that we're facing that we see as big, that God sees as small? And what are the small things in our lives that God is calling us to do that internally feel big, but externally don't really mean that much. Raising my hands doesn't change Scott McClellan's perspective of me. It doesn't, it doesn't. But my relationship with God, if he's calling me to do these things, it does. So let me pray for you. Father, I just pray this morning that in the quietness of, of, of this worship moment, that your still small voice speaks. That you would speak clearly that you are the God of miracles, that there is nothing too big, there is no wall too, too large that you cannot knock down. There is no problem too big that you cannot overcome because you are the overcomer, you overcame death. And so as we sing, to the God that is a God of miracles. We're believing for you to knock down giants today in our lives, in the lives of our friends. Let's sing.
We want to pray for that. We want to pray for that. We want to believe for God's greatness to perform a miracle in your life. And some of you are needing a miracle. The greatest miracle is the smallest one. It's the step that we also turn towards God. And we begin to believe that he is our Lord and our Savior. When Jesus died on the cross, his disciples passed on through their writings that if we profess with our heart, and we profess with our mouth and believe in our heart, that he is the one that died and was raised to life and seated at the right hand of the Father, that we shall be saved. And maybe you're here today and you're needing that God of miracles to be part of your life. And I just want to say a simple prayer with you. For those that are, are here, uh, I, this is what I love. I've found in my life that I've, I used to be like, oh, I don't need to say that prayer. I declare it every time because I go, Jesus is my Lord. I have no problem with saying this. But for those that are saying this for the first time, it's just a simple prayer. We say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for paying the price so that I might live to be connected with God, to walk in the anointing of the kingdom, to live a transformed life. So I receive you today, the gift of the Holy Spirit in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for making that possible. Today, I decide to follow you all the days of my life. Amen. Well, if that's you and you prayed this for the first time or you're, you're 10 years down the road watching this online and you prayed that prayer, connect with Living Hope Community Church, whether it be through email at amen at livinghope.com or in this house. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or again, come for prayer. God's overcome a huge obstacle in your life and we want to see him perform miracles. Let me just pray a blessing over you as we go. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the blessing that is the life that we live because of Jesus. God, I pray that as we go today, that the things that we see is big and small, that we would be reminded that you are a big God and that you start incredible things from small acts of obedience. Father, would you bless each one in this house Would they go and be the church, loving their friends and neighbors and coworkers. Amen.